Luke's gospel, we're going to be in chapter 5, beginning with verse 17, and we're starting a new series today. A new series that will take us into Lent. It's called The God Who Heals. And so we're going to hear a little bit about a little bit of healing going on this morning, okay? So we're in Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. We're going to go through verse 32, all right? It'll be on the screen. You can read along. You can pull it up in your own Bible if you have it with you. You can pull it up on your phone if you've got your Bible on your phone. However you want to hear the Word of God, let us go there together. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who seeks, speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to the sect, they complained to his disciples and they say, well, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. amen. A few weeks ago, we talked about baptism and about what it means to be baptized in our particular traditions, beliefs around the sacraments. And speaking of our particular tradition and our beliefs, um, we, don't, we don't have a pope. <laughs> Kathy said our pope. She meant our world's pope. She got a little confused there for a second. Just, just wanted to clarify that. Um, uh, we're Methodists. We, we have um, a, a bishops and a, and a general conference and all those things. And if you want to learn more about that, um, there's this book called The Book of Discipline, and it'll put you straight to sleep, all right? So anyway, we were talking about baptism a couple weeks ago, and, and one of the things I love about our sacramental theology related to baptism is how it shows us God's provenient grace. 
how God's provenient grace is at work in somebody's life. You see, the provenient grace of God is a little different than the other forms of grace that we talk about. The justifying grace of God, it's, it's evident to us. It's something we see and experience because it transforms us, and so you can't miss it. The same is true of the sanctifying grace of God. It is, we can recognize it if we're looking for it. It's that, that grace that gives us the strength to persevere during hard times. It's that grace that comforts us whenever we are mourning or whenever we are hurting. But the provenient grace of God is a bit different. See, this is the grace that we experience without even knowing what it is. This is the grace of God that is working at our lives to woo us, that is drawing us in. It's that grace that, that was leading the prodigal son to go home. It's that grace that is active in your life, even if you don't recognize it's there. It's, it's what we say when we say, God knew you before you even knew God. The provenient grace of God is working through a parent when they bring their child to be baptized as an infant. That's happening in our sanctuary this service this morning. Sawyer and Alyssa House are bringing Danielle to, to be baptized this morning. The provenient grace of God is working through them. The provenient grace of God is, is working through a friend who invites you to church for the first time before you've ever even heard of who Jesus is. It's, it's working through that Facebook ad that says, uh, this is the church for you. It's, it's working, the prevenient grace of God, it, it's working through, it's that song on the radio that makes you feel something you never felt before, but you know it's something special. That's the prevenient grace of God. It's that word of encouragement from the friend that you had no idea you were so desperate to hear. And the prevenient grace of God was at work in the friends of a man who could not walk a man who was laying on a mat and who was likely desperate to be healed. He experienced the provenient grace of God through the people that were carrying him. We're beginning this series called The God Who Heals. During this series, we're going to be looking at healings of all sorts. We believe in the power of God and we believe that God has the ability to heal. And so we want to look at various types of healings. We want to look at what the Bible says about healing. We want to look about healing in our own life. And I can't think of a better way to begin this series than with this story. Because this story helps us realize three foundational things about healing. Three truths that we can all affirm together. The first is that God cares about those that are not well. God cares for those who need to be healed. The second is that, that everyone is in need of healing, even if you don't know it. And the third thing this morning we will discuss is that God wants to use you to be part of the healing. All right? These three truths are going to be our roadmap this morning, and I think they, they lay the foundation for the next six weeks together as we discuss healing of all sorts in the scripture. So let's begin with that first one, okay? The idea that God cares about those who are not well. God cares about those who are in need of healing. And this might seem like a simple concept. Might seem kind of obvious to you, but I think we actually live our lives completely opposite of this reality. I think we often have created worlds where we think God doesn't care about us until we're good enough. That God won't love you until you, you are 
some distant version of holiness, that you've accomplished some sort of goodness that you're not at now. God is upset with you because you are not something else. Have you ever felt like that? Like God won't love you until you're as good as the, the Christians that you follow on Instagram? Have you ever felt like that maybe God's grace is not for you because you haven't reached that vague level of holiness in your own life? Or perhaps you gave up on holiness a long time ago because somebody one time told you that God only helps those who help themselves and you failed it so many times you feel like God's not gonna help you because it doesn't seem like you're helping yourself enough. Well, let me tell you what. That phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is not in the Bible. It's not part of our theological beliefs. We don't think that God will only start helping you or believing in you or caring for you after you've cared for yourself. I mean, if that was true, if God only helped those who helped themselves, what would we do with this story? I mean, what would we say about the man on the mat? Because this dude did nothing to help himself. He literally just lay there on a mat. His friends carried him around. He didn't even get, go to Jesus. He didn't, he didn't pray or call out to Christ to come save him. His friends carried him on a mat. They do all the heavy lifting. They couldn't get in the front door, so they climbed up onto the roof. Y'all, I can't even, I can't barely climb up on this stage. I, I came up here one extra time today, and I'm out of breath. I'm just, so they, they carry their friend. They get him up on this roof, and they dig through the roof, and they lower him down before Jesus, and they do all the work. He does Nothing for himself, but lay there. Jesus ends up healing this man, and it wasn't because he said all of his bedtime prayers. Jesus offers healing to this man, and it wasn't because he tithed a certain amount. It wasn't because he'd never said a swear word before. Jesus healed this man, and it has nothing to do with anything he has said or done. And that's often the case in the Gospels. Throughout this series, all of our stories will come from Jesus' healing ministries. Over the next six weeks, we're going to look at different examples of Jesus doing healing in the Gospels. And over and over, what we learn is that the healing Jesus does, the work that he's doing, it's for hurting and broken people who, aren't doing, who often are not doing anything for themselves. Some of them are. But there's often times that Jesus heals people who are not able to heal themselves. If they were, they wouldn't be in need of healing. He cares for those who, people who are hurting. And it's not just one type of healing he does. It's physical healing. It's societal healing. It's emotional healing. It's relational healing. Because Jesus cares about all of the people who are broken. Jesus cares about everybody who is in need. There's a famous theologian that I, I loved reading during seminary and undergrad. His name is Gustavo Gutierrez, and he was in South America, and he was working among the working poor in the Latin America, South America areas. And he says that one of the true marks of Jesus' divinity, how you knew Jesus was the Son of God, was because he cared for the poor. And when he says the word poor, he doesn't just mean monetarily poor, those without money. He means it the way that the gospel writer Luke means it. When he says poor, it's the Greek word tokoi, which means less than or least. You can see that Jesus is the son of God because Jesus cares for the least. Jesus cares for the less than. The people who, sure, they might be the ones with less money, 
but oftentimes they're the ones with a physical impairment of some sort that kept them from being whole members of society. Or he cared about the people who were not part of the, the dominant gender or race, and so they were thought of as less than. Or he cared about the people who acted differently or who had less than ideal jobs. He cared about the tokoi. He cared about the poor. He cared about those that nobody else cared about. He cared about those in need of healing. Jesus cares for the broken. And we know that Jesus is the son of God because of this, because God has a preferential option for the poor. We see this thread throughout the scripture. This is what Gutierrez points out. He says, from Genesis to Revelation, you see that God cares for the less than. God cares for the broken. God cares for the poor. I mean, it is the younger brothers in the stories in the Genesis that get the blessing and the birthright when the older brothers are supposed to be the ones who get it. They are the less favored ones, but God cares about them. God cares about the slaves in Egypt and hears their cry and frees their bondage. God cares about the Israelites when they are in exile and whenever they've been kicked out of their homeland, he hears them and restores them. And God cares about this new group of young Christians who are being tortured. God hears the cry, the broken, those in need. God cares, Jesus cares about those who are not well. God wants to heal all who are broken, which is a good thing because we are all broken. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. Everyone needs healing of some kind. The first thing that we note is that God cares for those in need. And the second is that everyone is someone in need. I don't know everything about each of your lives. I don't know everything that you have been through, that you have done, that you are facing. I know some things about most of your lives, but one thing I know about everyone's life is that we have all had, we all have, or we all will have a moment where we need God's healing where the hole in our lives or the pain that we feel or the only thing that can make us right, full, complete, better is the healing of God's grace. During this series, we'll talk about all these different ways that Jesus offers healing and not each one is gonna resonate with everyone. But I bet every one of these will resonate with at least somebody. And a thing I hope that all of us take and all of us realize and that all of us admit is that it is okay to not be okay. To say it out loud and to say that you need God's healing. That you need healing of some sort. Because if everything was perfect about you, you would be God. And we are not God and I thank God for that because none of us would be very good at it. It's okay to say that not everything is all right all the time. All of us have had something that we have done that has left a scar. Or we have said or done something, somebody else has said or done something to us that have left wounds. And it's the result of sin. It's the result of pain that comes from death. 
And in a world that has not yet become the full culmination of the kingdom of heaven, in a world where Christ has not yet come to bring heaven to earth in its full fruition, we still feel the weight of the consequences of sin. We know that a result comes whenever we do wrong or when others do wrong to us. In addition to the brokenness that comes from the things that we have done or that others have done to us, there's also hurts and experiences in life that cause pain that are nobody's fault. Sometimes we experience pain and need healing and we have brokenness not because of something we've done and not because of something somebody else done, but just because it happened. For example, I don't think it's anybody's fault when a hurricane comes through, but it can tear apart lives and even take them. I don't think it's anybody's fault when an unexpected heart attack or a random disease happens, but those things can be devastating, right? I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, or what you've been through. Brokenness and pain and wounds and scars are part of life. We don't think they're a part of eternal life, but we are not yet there. We see glimpses of heaven, and it's because of that we know that God can provide healing for these things. But we admit together that everybody needs it. Everybody needs to be healed of something. It might be today you need to be healed. It might be two years from now. It might be something that happened to you in your childhood or something that hasn't happened yet. But we are all in need of the God who heals. And I give thanks that I'm not the first person to experience hurts and pains in life. It's not that I'm like super glad other people have experienced them too. Like, I'm really glad you got pain because it makes me feel better about mine. But I am glad that as others have experienced the pain of brokenness of the things in life that, that are need to be healed, that, that others have given us a path forward. Others have given us a witness that we too can make it through these things. Others have given us words of comfort and affirmation. One of my favorite prayers that I pray in times of need of healing, in times where things are difficult, is a prayer by a man named Reinhold Niebuhr. And he wrote a very popular prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Maybe you've prayed it. It's prayed at Celebrate Recoveries all over the world every week. The prayer goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking it as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I might be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. That's one of those prayers you pray when you realize not everything's perfect and and you can't fix it all yourself. That's one of those prayers you pray whenever you're finally able to admit that not everything is okay. It's one of those prayers you pray when you are broken and in need of healing and you ask God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. We've all had moments where we have been there And if you haven't, I can almost guarantee that you will. And I mention that prayer in particular, not because only just because of the comfort that it brings. It is a very comforting prayer. 
but for the places where that prayer is often prayed. And we said, everyone is broken. God cares for those who are in need of healing. But the last thing I want to say this morning is that God wants to use us to help bring about healing. And I said a moment ago that prayers prayed at Celebrate Recoveries all over the world. Do you know what Celebrate Recovery is, the ministry? It's an incredible ministry that works to support people as they try to make their way out of addiction. They want to help people recover from all manners of hurts and habits and hangups. It was founded by John Baker, who was a lay member at Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church. And he's on the sober side of his addiction battle with alcohol. I used to help lead worship with two different Celebrate Recovery Ministries in Montgomery whenever I was in college. And let me tell you, these are incredible ministries. Ministries that do incredible work with people. And what I found so wonderful was so many things about this ministry, but, but one of the things was that every one of the people who, who were leading a small group that would happen after the worship service or who were organizing the weekly gathering or who were helping serve a meal, they looked like people who were carrying a mat. They were people who were carrying a mat. They were all vessels of God's provenient grace. Many of them were recovering folks themselves, people who had been through the battles and were still going through them, but wanted to help others. But not all of them were recovering. Some of them were just volunteers that wanted to help volunteers to help in the kitchen and the other college kids who played in the band with me or the guy who was running the overhead slides. And yes, I said overhead slides. <laughs> I know without a doubt that ministry changes lives because people have told me and I've seen it. I have a family member who is in it and every time they go, it's a better experience for them. And for a person who is coming to that ministry for the first time, the one who invited them it's like somebody who's carrying a mat. It's like somebody who wants to be a vessel. And the people who are giving of their time to make that ministry happen, they're the ones helping them up on the roof and digging the hole and lowering them down. Those people in those moments are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants for all of us. God wants to use us to help heal this world. This world is full of brokenness is full of people in hurting situations, people in pain, people in need. And at times, that is you. There are times when you are the person on the mat. This morning might be your moment on the mat where you admit it to yourself and to others. And there's other times when God wants you to carry. God wants you to come alongside somebody and say, I got you. Let me help get you where you need to be. Be a vessel of provenient grace in somebody's life. Because did you, did you catch my favorite verse in this whole passage? Did you catch what Jesus said about, about when, why he healed that man? Verse 20 says, when Jesus saw their faith, that's when he said, be forgiven of your sins. It didn't say when he saw the man's faith. It didn't say whenever the man had done all these things first and then, it didn't say all these conditions, these hoops you have to jump through, the seven easy steps to get healed. 
It said he saw that his friends had faith and he healed that man. When Jesus saw that the grace of God was working through them, he honored and blessed it. And that's when the healing happened. The only thing the man had to do was let the people carry him. Is there anyone in your life that you are not letting help you? Is there something going on and you refuse to be carried because you think like it looks weak? Even Jesus let somebody carry his cross for a bit. I had a mentor and I'll close with this. I still think of him as a mentor even though I rarely talk to him. He lives in Panama City Beach where I spent three of my summers. Now I've mentioned him before because he's one of the best musicians I know. His name is Luke Penninger, and funny enough, he ended up marrying the mother of one of my best friends and I officiated the wedding and it's just a fun little story. But, but once I was having a really hard time, I was at the end of my college years and a family of mine, a member of mine was battling addiction and relapsing multiple times. And then my grandfather, who I greatly admired and looked up to, I've told you his story. He took his own life. This is his watch I wear and his ring I wear and I honor him in that way. And it was just two months after that and I was down in Panama City Beach, just kind of lost. And I was hanging out with Luke and I said to him, I said, man, I don't know about my faith. I'm not sure if I have it anymore or if I have it, I don't know if I have enough of it. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He told me, and this is something I try to share with everybody else every day I can. He said, well, until you find it, you can borrow some of mine and we'll look together. We can make a whole lot of difference in this world if we are willing to share our faith with those in need. And when I say share our faith, I don't just mean stand on the street corner shouting at people that they're going to hell. I mean, lend it out. (laughs) I mean, carry somebody on a mat. That means sitting with somebody in their grief rather than treating them like they're a pariah for feeling hurt. It means going to a doctor's visit with somebody because they're scared. It means inviting a newly divorced person to a gathering rather than ostracizing them but including them in your social group and not cutting them off from society. It means sharing a meal with somebody who's hungry. It means sharing spiritual nourishment with somebody who's spiritually hungry by telling them that they're welcome here and inviting them to come be part of this family. God cares about the people who are hurting. God wants to heal the broken. You might be that broken person this morning And that's okay. It's all right to admit that things are tough and that you are in need. And if you have been through the battles and if you have felt the scars and if you have the wounds and you are able to be in a better place today than you were yesterday, then maybe this is God's desire for you that you share that faith with somebody else, that you come alongside others who are hurting. Some days you're on a mat and when you're not, you're called to carry it. One of the greatest honors God has given us is the chance to participate in the healing of the world.
And I pray that we all use the gifts that each of us have and our experiences and memories to do that very thing and to make God's kingdom known on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.